Ancient Eucharistic Miracles, a collection of stories of the various miracles that the Blessed Sacrament has wrought from the early Church up until the medieval period. St. Eudoxia, Martyr A governor, Diogenes by name, being desirous to take to himself a wife, a Christian girl named Jacella, she, in order to escape from his pursuit, took refuge in the convent of which Eudoxia was the superior. Diogenes, on hearing of this, sent fifty soldiers to enter the convent and to bring Eudoxia into his presence. Now, when the soldiers entered the convent by night and inquired for Eudoxia, she presented herself before them fearlessly, but not before having entered the church and taken out of the sacred vessel from the altar a consecrated particle, which she secreted in her dress, and then delivered herself up as their prisoner. It was pitch dark, but behold, there appeared to Eudoxia a youth, clothed in white, bearing a torch, who gave her light on the way, while all was dark to her captors. Before the judgment seat of the governor, she made a good confession, and seeing no torment could induce her to deny her holy faith and burn incense to the gods, the enraged governor commanded her to be hanged on the high gallows. Now before the magistrates could put this command into execution, they untied the girdle of the blessed martyr, when, behold, from her bosom there fell to the ground the most holy particle of the blessed sacrament which she had taken from the altar. The magistrates, not knowing what it might be, picked it up and carried it to the governor. Hardly, however, had he stretched his wicked hand to take it, when, lo, the host changed into a flame of fire, which laid hold on the magistrate, and also left the shoulder of the governor. He, crying out with pain, called upon his gods for help against the enchantress Eudoxia. But whilst he did so, the flame scorched his entire body, and he fell down a burning mass. Upon seeing this miracle, one of the soldiers and the whole family of Diogenes became converted to the faith. But Eudoxia's martyrdom was only deferred, for in the year 147 she was beheaded by order of Vincentius, who succeeded Diogenes, and who was equally with him an implacable foe of the Christians. Some Facts Related by St. Cyprian In his works upon the lapse, the holy Bishop Cyprian relates, as an eyewitness, many remarkable cases of the divine chastisement on those who in word or deed had denied their Lord, and with this sin upon their soul either received or desired to receive Holy Communion. The parents of a certain child had fled from the persecution, leaving it in the care of a servant maid. This woman brought the little one, who could not even speak, before the magistrates of the city. Instead of giving her the meat offered to idols, they gave her a piece of bread dipped in the blood of the sacrifice. When the mother returned home, not knowing what had happened, she took her child with her into the assembly of the faithful in order to assist at the holy sacrifice, intending her child to take part in the same. The little girl, although unable to reveal what the servant had done, was seized with an incomprehensible restlessness so soon as she was brought into the church. She wept aloud during the prayers and at the holy mass, threw herself from side to side, and appeared beside herself. When at the conclusion of the holy service, the deacon who bore the consecrated chalice came to the child, it turned from him, closed its lips, and refused to be communicated. Nevertheless, the deacon let a few drops fall into its mouth, but the little one could not contain it. The child was guiltless, 
But what had happened to her in the church led, as it appears, to the discovery of the wickedness of the servant. A young girl who had denied Christ contrived to mix with the crowd to whom Cyprian was distributing the Most Holy Communion and partook of it. The divine food was poison to her. She was seized with trembling and fell down dead. A woman who had lapsed in the same manner desired to open the coffer in which she kept the portion of the consecrated bread which had been given her in the church. In times of persecution, it was customary for the faithful to receive the most holy sacrament in their hands in order that they might take it to their houses and, in the event of a sudden capture, be so enabled to strengthen themselves. Now when that woman came to open the coffer, a flame of fire issued forth and drove her away in fear. A man who had similarly lapsed presented himself and received the Holy Eucharist from a priest who did not know him. But the consecrated host disappeared, and instead of the heavenly gift, he held in his hands but a few ashes. Now, when the Emperor Valerian raised the eighth bloody persecution against the Christians, St. Cyprian wrote to Pope Cornelius, It is not only the weak, but the strong who need defense, not only the dying, but the living who need the viaticum, with which we send them to the fight, strengthening them for combat with the body and blood of Christ. Whilst the holy shepherd thus prepared his flock and strengthened them to die for Christ, he himself was carried before the judgment seat, and after a firm confession of the faith, was beheaded in the year 257. St. Gregory of Nazianzen The church reckons amongst the number of its saint, the father and the mother, as well as the sister and the brother of this saint. In the funeral oration which he delivered on the occasion of his sister, Gorgina's death, he relates the following miracle concerning the Holy Eucharist. His sister suffered from a palsy which the physicians were unable to cure, and when she found that all natural means failed her, she determined to have recourse to the physician of mankind. One night, feeling a little alleviation of pain, she arose from her bed, and casting herself before the blessed sacrament which was reserved upon an altar in her house, she called upon him, who was there present, and following the example of the woman in the gospel, who through the touch of the hem of Christ's garment was made whole, she then approached the altar, rested her head upon it, and cried that she would not leave it until she was healed. Then, anointing her body with the ointment which she possessed, she wetted with her tears the particle of the most holy sacrament which she had reserved, and, O miracle of goodness, she felt herself healed, and her heart relieved, through the reward of her faith. Saint Basil and the Converted Jew This saint was the intimate friend of Saint Gregory of Nazianzen. Now it happened one day that, as he was celebrating the holy mysteries in public, a Jew entered the Christian congregation in order to witness the ceremonies and customs of the Christians in the divine service. He saw in the hands of Saint Basil a child, whom he appeared to divide into four portions. Now this man accompanied the Christians when they approached in order to receive Holy Communion, and so he too partook of the Holy Eucharist, as it was then distributed in both kinds. He reserved, however, a small particle, and took it home with him to show his wife, to whom he related all that he had seen with his own eyes in the church. This man, enlightened by grace, believed at once the fearful and wondrous mystery of the Christian worship, 
and came the following day to Basil with the request that he might receive baptism without delay. This the saint granted, and baptized him and his whole household straight away. St. Basil died, lamented by all, even by the Jews, in the year 379. St. Gregory, Bishop of Tours, relates how a Jewish child was preserved unhurt in a fiery furnace after receiving the Blessed Sacrament. St. Gregory of Tours, who died in 595, relates in his book of the Glories of the Martyrs a memorable story of the wonderful power of the Holy Eucharist, which has also been handed down to us by the well-known historian Evagarius. We will give the account in the words of Evagarius, and afterwards subjoin some editions of the Holy Bishop. In the days when Menaeus occupied the episcopal chair of Constantinople, a very extraordinary event took place. There was in that city an old custom, when a large number of the consecrated particles remained after communion, of causing boys to come in from the schools in order to consume them. It happened once that amongst the other boys who presented themselves was the son of a glass manufacturer, who was a Jew. Now, when his parents inquired of him the reason of his prolonged absence, the child related what had happened and how he, with the other boys, had been fed. The father, in a storm of fury, seized the boy and cast him into the fiery furnace in which he was accustomed to fuse the glass. His mother sought her child, and finding him not, she went throughout the town weeping and mourning. At length, on the third day, as she stood at the door of her husband's workshop, weeping and tearing her flesh with grief, and calling on her son by name, it came to pass that the boy heard the voice of his mother and answered her out of the furnace. Immediately she broke open the doors, went in, and there behold her child standing in the midst of the fiery coals unharmed. Now, when he was questioned as to the manner by which he had remained without injury, he replied that a lady clothed in purple had very frequently appeared, bringing him water and quenching the coals around him. Also, when he was hungry, she brought him food. When Justinian the emperor heard of this, he placed both the mother and the son after they had passed through the waters of baptism under the care of the clergy. But the father, who continued to refuse to believe in the mysteries of the Christian faith, he commanded, as being the murderer of his child, to be crucified in the suburb of Sicia. St. Gregory writes thus, The boy received the Holy Eucharist in the church of St. Mary, in which stands the image of the Blessed Virgin in a conspicuous place upon which the eyes of the boy fell, and being drawn powerfully, he entered the church. The image which he had seen in the church with the child in her arms was that of her who appeared to him in the midst of the fire. The saint adds, The boy received the bread, and therein the glorious body and blood of Jesus Christ. The Devotion of St. Wenceslaus, Duke of Bohemia, to the Blessed Sacrament When this saint, who owed his religious training to the piety of his grandmother, St. Ludmilla, his mother, Drahomia, being a heathen, came to the government of Bohemia, his, the young duke, tired with the business of the day, passing whole nights in prayer for his people before the Blessed Sacrament of the altar. Daily he was in the habit of hearing Holy Mass, kneeling on the stone flags of the church. It was a joy to him to see the priest at the altar and address the altars himself, for his love for Jesus and the most holy sacrament was very great. On this account, he
he would prepare the breads intended for the hosts in Holy Communion with his own hands. The cornfield devoted to this purpose he not only tilled and sowed, but he also would be seen reaping the same, and after grinding the corn into the finest flour, would himself prepare and bake the altar breads, and humbly present them to the priest. Often in the midst of a winter's night, he would rise from his couch in order to visit our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. His soul was so inflamed with the love of God that it imparted heat even to his very body. On one occasion, in the company with a servant, he went barefoot to the church in the depth of winter. Ice and snow covered the ground. Wenceslaus stepped bravely forward, the servant following, trembling and bitterly complaining of the pain which his feet suffered from the deep snow. Then did the saint advise him to tread in his footsteps, and behold, a pleasant warmth imparted itself to the feet of the servant, who now followed the saint with gladness. It was his love for Jesus in the blessed sacrament which gave birth to those sweet graces of his character, which rendered him so famous through the whole length and breadth of his dominion, his humility, his zeal for the honor of God, his inflexible justice, and his most tender compassion for the poor, the widow, the orphan, and the forsaken. As might be expected, such virtues gained him also many enemies, and his heathen mother united with his godless brother in a scheme for putting him out of the way. Now when a son was born to the brother of the saint, he and his mother invited Wenceslaus to pay them a visit. Without suspicion of their purpose, the saint accepted the invitation, but the following night, entering according to his wont into the church to pray before the altar, he was assailed by his murderers and by his own brother pierced through with a lance on the 28th of September, 936. How much St. Gregory the Great, like other saints, was penetrated with devotion, reverence, and love for the Most Holy Eucharist. His famous missal, known as the Sacramentary, will testify. In his sermons he speaks also of the Holy Eucharist, and illustrates by quotations of wonderful facts the inestimable worth and the power of the holy sacrifice of the Mass. In his 37th homily he relates, Not long ago it happened that a man was taken prisoner and carried far away. Now, after he had been a long time kept in prison without his wife, knowing anything about it, she believed him to be dead, and caused every week on certain days the holy sacrifice of the Mass to be offered for him. After a long time had elapsed, the man returned home and related to his astonished wife that on certain days of the week the chains which bound him became loose. In this way, at length, he succeeded in making his escape. Now when his wife inquired on which days of the week this wonder took place, she discovered that on the days which his chains became loose were upon those which the holy sacrifice of the Mass was offered for him. In his dialogues or conferences upon the miraculous lives of the saints in Italy, he relates in the fourth book the following marvelous occurrence. Agatho, bishop of Palermo, journeyed from Sicily to Rome. Upon the way he fell into the danger of being shipwrecked. A frightful storm arose, which well-nigh rank the vessel in which he voyaged. No hope remained but in a meaningful pity of Almighty God. Then all began to pray and to offer up petitions to him that their lives might be spared. Whilst they were thus praying, a certain sailor was occupied in steering a boat which had fastened to the ship, but which, 
through the violence of the storm, broke away from her holdfast and sank with the unfortunate man beneath the waves, and Bishop Agatha reckoned him as dead. In the meantime, the ship in which the bishop sailed arrived, after many dangers, at the island of Ostica. Here the bishop offered the sacrifice of the mass for the unfortunate sailor, and as soon as the ship was repaired, continued his voyage to Rome. When he landed, he found the sailor, whom he believed to be dead, standing on the shore. Full of joy, he inquired how he could escape the great dangers of so many days. The sailor then related how his little boat seemed continually on the point of capsizing, but always rose unharmed again to the top of the waves. Day and night he succeeded in struggling with the waves, but being weakened with hunger and thirst, he must inevitably have gone to the bottom had not help been sent to him. At length suddenly, narrated he, when I was quite prostrate, and as it were out of my mind, knowing not whether I was sleeping or waking, I saw a man standing before me who offered me bread. Scarcely had I received it when my strength returned to me, and soon after I was picked up by a ship and brought hither. When the bishop learned the day on which this event took place, he discovered that it was the same on which he had offered the holy mass for the unfortunate man on the island of Ostica. How the Holy Eucharist was changed into golden ears of wheat for the conversion of a heretic who was in good faith in the year 612. In the days of Abbot Theodore, Bishop of Seleucia, the pious monk John Moscus, journeying with Sophronius, Bishop of Jerusalem, came to that city where they were entertained by the good abbot, from whose lips they received the following wonderful fact, which John Moscus, in a little book dedicated to Sophronius and entitled Spiritual Meadows, afterwards related thus. When we arrived at Seleucia, Abbot Theodore, bishop of that town, paid us a visit. Now, amongst other things, he related to us the following, saying, Under the episcopal rule of my predecessor, Dionysius of Holy Memory, a wonderful event occurred in this place. There dwelt in this city a God-fearing rich merchant, who, nevertheless, was attached to the Severian sect, so called from the name of the heretical monk Severius, who denied the two natures of the divine and human in Christ, admitting only the divine, whereby he also denied the real presence of the body of Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist. This merchant had a servant who held the Catholic faith, and when this man, after the custom of the country, had received the Holy Communion on Holy Thursday, he wrapped it in very fine linen and locked it away in his chest. Now it happened that soon after Easter he was sent to Constantinople in haste on pressing business, and left, forgetting the holy host, which was in his chest, the key of which he gave to his master. When the merchant, therefore, opened the lid of the chest, he found therein the fine linen, and in the self-same the holy body of the Lord. Confounded at the sight, he stood in doubt as to what course he should pursue with regard to it, for he disdained to eat it, because it was the communion of the holy Catholic Church, whilst he himself was a Servinian. At any length he resolved to leave it as he found it, hoping that his servant would return and consume the same thing before long. But in the meantime a whole year passed by, Holy Thursday came around again, and the servant had not returned. Then did the merchant resolve to burn the holy host, in order that it might not be kept another year. And behold, when he opened the chest, 
he saw with astonishment that the consecrated species had sprung up into golden blades and ears of wheat. Upon seeing this unheard of marvel, great dread seized the man, and at length, coming to himself, he took the holy mystery, and together with his whole household began to sing the Kyrie eleison, after which he hurried to the Catholic Church and presented himself before the bishop Dionysus. Now this great miracle was not witnessed by one or two, but by many, even by the entire Christian community, for which reason many believed and took refuge in the bosom of the Catholic Church. St. Bernard and the Duke William of Aquitaine 1131. William, Duke of Aquitaine, from his youth upwards, was a daring, godless man. He could not live without war, and in times of peace he would make his very vassals fight. His life was full of evil deeds and lawlessness, and to all other wickedness he added that of being the head of a party which refused to acknowledge the legitimate pontiff. To this man did Innocent the Second send the servant of God, Bernard, in order to turn him from his sinful ways and bring him back into the bosom of the church. St. Bernard, therefore, quitted his abbey of Clairvaux in the year 1131 and arrived safely on the territory of the duke, taking up his abode at Chatelier in a monastery of his order. From thence he wrote a letter to the duke with the request that he would come and visit him, and lo, to the astonishment of all, the powerful prince arrives, remains seven days with the holy man of God, returning to his castle with a promise to do penance for his sin. But hardly had he returned when wicked counsellors drew him back to his godless life, so that his condition was now worse than before. The saint was deeply troubled and waited for a fitting time when he might once more attempt the conversion of this sinner. At length, believing that moment had arrived, he betook himself in the company with the legate of the Pope into the province of Aquitaine and invited Duke William to a meeting. But the Duke, although shaken by the words of the saint, refused to be reconciled with the bishop whom the Pope had sent. Then did the holy man have recourse to prayer, resolving that God alone should work in this matter. On the day, therefore, when the next conference was arranged to take place, the saint offered holy mass, Duke William also being present. In the midst of the holy sacrifice, St. Bernard suddenly stopped, and laying the host upon the paten, with glowing countenance and flashing eyes, he descended the steps of the altar, and approaching the prince said, We have wasted prayers enough, and thou hast despised us. Many of God's servants have united their petitions with ours, and all in vain for thee. Now cometh the Son of the Virgin, him whom thou persecutest, the master and lord of the church, the judge before whose every knee in heaven, on earth or in hell, is bowed. Into his hands, into the hands of the avenger of all evil, wilt thou soul fall which now animates thee. Wilt thou despise him also? The saint was silent. Silence reigned over the praying throng around. Tears and consternations were visible on every cheek. With anxiety awaited everyone the conclusion to so unheard of a proceeding which appeared like a sudden revelation of divine power. The terrified prince was unable to utter a single word. His knees shook, he sank upon the ground, and when his guards uplifted him, he fell down again 
with a frightful cry. Then did the saint touch him, and bade him, by signs, to arise, and in solemn tones commanded him thus, Go reconcile thyself with the bishop of Poitiers, whom thou hast banished from his see. Give him the kiss of peace, conduct him thyself into the church, and show him as much honor as thou hast done him dishonor. Recall those back to the Catholic unity whom discord has separated from Holy Church, and be obedient to Pope Innocent, whom God has raised to the see of Peter. The Duke, full of the strength of the Holy Ghost, did all that was commanded of him, and from that moment became a changed man. Conscience asserted itself in his heart, and with tears and repentance he abandoned his unholy life, determined to offer satisfaction by a holy death. He renounced all his possessions, and when he was but thirty-eight years old, he went into solitude, spending the remainder of his life in hard penance and in all the works of Christian virtue.